It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's. Welcome back, this is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast Here on the Lockdown Podcast Network And I want to thank you all for making us part of your daily routine We're here for you Monday through Friday And this is the two Tuesday show, pre-game two. We are in Milwaukee. I am John Corrales of MassLive.com and the Rain and Jays, joined by my Mass Live partner, Tom Westerholm. What's up, Tom? What's up? What's up? So we're here covering the Celtics and the Bucks. Celtics taking game one uh, easily. Uh, you weren't on the podcast when we did the post game. Correct. So why, why don't you share some of your thoughts on game one? Anything stick out? For you, besides, you know, Al Horford being amazing? <laughs> well, I mean, Al Horford being amazing was basically kind of, I'm not going to say it was the story of the game, but it was a big one because, it, you know, even beyond just the fact that he's really good at basketball, it kind of confirmed all of the things that people who thought the Celtics had a chance in this series believed, which was... Horford is going to not neutralize Giannis because, I mean, that's not going to happen again. Like, he's not going to – it's not going to be that good again. Right. But he's going to be able to guard him one-on-one for this entire series. Like, I think – or, you know, for most of the series. I think that much is fair to say. And him guarding Giannis one-on-one makes a huge difference and really, you know – this Celtics team is so dangerous against the Bucks because Horford can do that and because right. they can match up with the other guys. And then um, on the other end, obviously, you know, they just picked Milwaukee apart. I don't think Milwaukee's defensive schemes are well suited for the Celtics at all. Um, between their between their insistence on giving up jumpers, which the Celtics love, yes. and their insistence on giving up pick and pops to Horford, which Horford is perfectly happy to take. Like, he'll, yeah, very good open, at it. Pop, pop, pop. Like, yeah. you know. So. You know, I, I, I still think this series is going to be a dogfight. I think that that was a one game. You know, I think that was the Celtics punching the Bucks in the mouth after a wildly easy series against the Pistons. And yep. the Celtics, you know, they got tested against the Pacers. I think that made a difference. People talked about how, like, oh, it was a That's sweep. A good point. No, no, no. They, they, te- they got tested against a good defense, bad, bad offensive team. The Celtics took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. But they still had to work for those wins. And the Bucks did not have to work for those wins. So I, I think that made a difference as well. So those... Those are kind of my overarching takeaways. I think this series is still going to be a tough one. I think it's going to go several games. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be five on either side by any means. But uh, I do think that you know anybody who thought that the Celtics had a chance to win this series was right. They, right. they, they can win this series. Right. They absolutely could win the series. Uh, it's not like Paul Pierce said the series is over. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Paul Pierce is wild right now. <laughs> but it's, it's certainly not over. But... 
I can see I can see why people are excited about how the Celtics looked in game one because of basically everything you said, that the Celtics just match up their strengths, match up with everything that the Bucks want to give up. And on top of it, they're scheming, I think, very well to take advantage of how the Bucks play. And, and one example that I came up with was Aaron Baines, who we've talked about. He, he's kind of running this like a fullback if you if you watch some of some of how he plays, and he only played nine minutes, mostly because of the blowout. This analogy would make ankle. a lot of sense if I knew what a fullback did, but <laughs> <laughs> like a lead blocker, um, but not a football guy over here. <laughs> so he, with the Bucks playing their drop pick and roll coverage, the Celtics have employed, uh, and it's not just against Milwaukee. Baines has done this before, but they're really employing a. Um, a style of pick where it's like basically Baines is sealing the guy off. Right. So the pick and roll happens for people who may not, if just watch for it when Baines is playing. Pick and roll happens. Baines rolls to the rim. And if he doesn't get the ball, then he seeks out the defender who has dropped. And that defender drops deep into the lane. And all Baines does is just posts him up and just keeps on pushing him. And takes advantage of, as he said to me, the uh, taking all the ground that they give up and and just clearing out a lane for the guy to get to the rim. Gordon Hayward got a layup. Jalen Brown missed the layup. Uh, but it's something to watch for. Baines is great at it. Other guys are going to do it. If they keep playing that drop, pick, and roll coverage, that is a way to neutralize it. Just send a guy at the guy who's dropping screen him off, and now he's not there to protect the rim. So scheme-wise, the Celtics are able to take advantage of things. Now, the one thing I saw today was the uh, somebody, I forget who it was, that tweeted that the, the feel from Bucks practice was there's not a lot to change. We just need to do the things that we do better and we'll be okay. Yeah, that was. I, I believe that was Matt Velasquez. Uh, yes, from it the was. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who, yes, does, who does a really good job covering them. Um, and he he talked to Giannis about it. And Giannis was the guy who said, "Let's not change anything. Let's not overreact to Game One." Which, yeah, like I'm not saying that the Bucks need to be like the sky is falling, the Earth is on fire. You right. know, the glaciers melting. Uh, I'm not saying the Bucks have to be like that. Like, but they do need to be like. I, I think they need to make changes. Yes. And, and I, you know, I, I think that that. They are in they are in real danger if they don't switch things up. And Giannis might have just been like talking, you know, he might have just been sort of like bravado, like no, no, we're fine, we're you yeah, know, we've been great sure. all year, like that. And and Mike Budenholzer might have a completely different take on the situation, which would be fine. Um, but I will say that if the Bucks don't change things, they are in danger of going down two nothing with both of their games having happened at home. At which point. They are in, they're in a lot of trouble. Yes. The Celtics probably aren't dropping both of the games at the TD Garden. Like mm-hmm. they're they're probably taking at least one of those and then Milwaukee's got to deal with a 3-1 against a team that can limit their superstar. Like the Bucks have to they don't have to panic, they don't have to freak out, they have to make some changes. They have to find better ways to open up Giannis. They have to get guys in there who are not Pat Connaughton shooting one for seven from three. Like <laughs> they like Pat Connaughton can't be your leading three point taker in this series. Like they have to do some things differently. And I think they will. I don't I, I think he's probably just talking. I think and especially these guys don't want to give up their game plans. 
Like none of them want to be like, oh yeah, so we're going to switch X, Y, and Z and that's going to make this difference. You know, it, it sounds better. It's a better soundbite to be like, no, we're not going to change anything. Sure. But if they don't, yeah, I mean, and Mike Budenholzer has been a pretty inflexible dude, so I'm not like 100% confident in that. Right, but, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, so I'm not like 100% confident in that, but I do think, if you look at that game one, I even an inflexible coach, I feel like, would have to admit, like, okay, like there are some things I have to change, and maybe those things will make a difference because you have the MVP of the league. From their perspective, I will say, you got to think that some of those shots that they got would fall that didn't fall. Not you gotta, if Pat Connaughton takes them. <laughs> not if Pat Connaughton takes them. You gotta get you gotta get Eric Bledsoe to just be more uh well you just gotta get him to be better than what he was. Um which I get, but we now have a playoff series plus a game of him we have eight playoff games of him not being good against the Celtics. Right, right. So that's that he's been good yes. for them this year. He's been really good. So he needs to be good for them. Uh, that's just you go back to the Pacers series. Why were the Pacers so good even without Oladipo and some of the things that they did? Well, you got guys like Bogdanovich and Sabonis who did some of those things that they did well. Like and and the Celtics took that away and they limited Sabonis on the boards and and that's part of a big reason why that they they won that series. So uh, Bledsoe was very good during the regular season, but take that away, and, and now you have a, a, a liability, for lack of a better term, um, for them. And the way the Celtics are playing defense, if Giannis isn't doing what he is normally doing during the regular season – which is driving, attacking, creating so much havoc in the paint that he requires all five guys to just kind of suck in, and then he kicks. If he if he can't do that, if that wall that the Celtics are building is effective enough to keep him from getting to the rim, then the drive and kick game doesn't happen. And why are the Milwaukee Bucks such a good three-point shooting team? Because of the drive and kick. Like, that alone is responsible for uh, a ton of Milwaukee's points. Uh, Why don't we take a break? Because we're going to talk about Malcolm Brogdon possibly coming back in game three. Uh, It's related to this because uh, I, I looked at some of the numbers with Brogdon and the driving kick from Giannis. And so it's all related. So we'll do that right after the break. First, those of you, I've talked about this in the podcast before, uh, I used to be in charge of hiring people, which is insane to think, but it was true. And I had piles of resumes on my desk. And let me tell you, there's nothing more mind-numbing than trying to go through and, and figure out Who's got the best qualifications? for? And so many people have the best qualifications in, in equal quality. It's so hard to, to just go through everything. So it's a challenge. If you're, if you're a person who is looking to hire somebody, you know. Like, it's difficult. But there is now a place to go that didn't exist when I was hiring that you can go and it's simple, it's fast, and smart a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that's ziprecruiter.com slash 
slash locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. So you're not just blasting out, hey, I'm hiring and hoping somebody applies. They go and search for candidates and they invite people to apply for your job. As those applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one of those and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Can't tell you how important that is because... It's easy to miss things in the pile of bullet points. So their technology to get you the great match is really helpful. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So right now, all of the listeners of the Lockdown Celtics podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. So we found out today, uh, Monday, that Malcolm Brogdon is looking much more like the Malcolm Brogdon that the Milwaukee Bucks know, which we watched him go through a workout before game one. I thought he looked okay. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, so he's not going to play game two. But if Milwaukee can come back and, and win game two, even the series, getting Malcolm Brogdon for the rest of the series 
does add a significantly different element because you're talking about hitting those shots. He's a 50-40-90 guy. This is a guy that they hit 43% basically of his three-pointers, 42% of catch and shoots. And the important thing to me is Giannis, the majority of his assists have gone to Brogdon. And 85 of Brogdon's assisted makes came from Giannis. Like, they are the guys that work together extraordinarily well. And those driving kicks, if they go to Brogdon, it's significantly different than going to Sterling Brown or Pat Connaughton. Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting that this isn't a small sample size thing where he's taking, like, you know, he's averaging like nine points a game. The guy's averaging like 16 points a game for Milwaukee this year. Like it's, he's a real threat. Uh, one of, I'm trying to think, after Giannis and Middleton, it's basically Brogdon who is the toughest loss. Like for a guy to miss significant time, he's the toughest loss for the Bucks because of his floor spacing, because of his defense, because of all, all the, you know, just how solid he is as a player. Like right. he's, he's just a very, very solid, um, you know, point guard, combo guard, whatever you want to call him. And so, yeah, I think getting him back in there, I think that makes a huge difference. I think it's one of the reasons why the Celtics have been preaching how, I mean, they, they would preach this anyway, but I think it's one of the reasons why tomorrow's game is so important. Yeah. You know, if they, if, if, if Brogdon comes back and it's a one, one series, I think things shift back, you know, maybe in favor of Milwaukee. I mean, the Celtics still have all those advantages, but they don't have Marcus Smart, who is the type of guy who could really help against somebody like Malcolm Brogdon. And mm-hmm. obviously, Jalen Brown would do a good job against him, too. And, you know, we saw, we even saw like Tatum do a good job against Darren Collison. Like, there, there are options for him. Yep. But bringing that guy back, bringing that catch and shoot guy, bringing that extra ball handler, bringing that outlet for your guys who were like, you know, driving to the hoop, that opens things up a little bit. And, the Celtics' advantages, like I said, they're still there. Horford can still guard Giannis, but mm-hmm. Brogdon is a really, really good player who is having a really, really good season. Yeah, and he is. I, I just think, like, you know, th- this Bucks team is is really dangerous, and the Celtics have an advantage right now. They're trying to take, the, you know, they're trying to really capitalize on it. They did in Game One, um, so you know, we'll see. But I think getting Brogdon back makes a huge difference, and you know, Milwaukee's got a. Got to feel good about the fact that, like you said, he looked pretty good in that warm-up we saw. It sounds like he's getting back. I, I think at this point we can probably assume that he's back in, in Game 3. That's I mean, what I'm going to think, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. It, just reading the tea leaves, and, and we're not doctors, and we don't know anything at all, but it, it does kind of seem like... I'm not a doctor, but back. I play one on a podcast. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't even do that. So. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. And, that, and really the reason why we're talking about the potential for Brogdon playing in game three, like you said, is the importance it puts on game two. If the Celtics can come in and take both games in Milwaukee, that does so much to change the dynamic of Brogdon coming back because that puts all the pressure on Milwaukee to win both games in Boston. And Boston, even through their worst regular season struggles, was good at home. And to take this Celtics team and to put them at home, that that game three is going to be wild. That's going to be wild. Uh, the place is going to be juiced. It's an eight o'clock game on a Friday night. I mean, and you know, you start with the Havlicek tribute. You got a lot of people like the the, the history, the feelings, the emotion, the, all of it. It's all going to be there, and um, I, I think it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for the Bucks to withstand that. 
That being said, they are, again, the, the best team in the NBA, 60-win team. Giannis is Giannis, and you got to think at some point he's going to be able to break through even that stout Celtics defense. Uh, but I don't know. There's so many different ways that this game can go. Yeah, I think honestly, I would be very surprised, even with all the advantages and with and with Brogdon out, I would be very surprised if the Celtics won this game. Like it's even as focused as they are, as like they are, they are saying all the right things. These yep. guys are locked in. They're not giving Milwaukee anything to bite on, anything to take as like you know fuel for their fire. Mm-hmm. Brad has called Giannis the MVP roughly three hundred thousand times. At this <laughs> yes, point. He like, yes, he has. Yes, he has. And 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 they they have said repeatedly this that you know game one is done. We're on to game two. We're on to game two. Like game two is important. This is what's important. They have hammered that as hard as they can. And even so, there is still this like extra bit of this extra level that a team down one nothing. Especially a team at home down one nothing can find that I just you know at the in the back of their minds and they would never like bring it to the front of their minds but at the back of their minds the Celtics know they won game one they know they came in they know they did their job they took home court advantage away from the Bucks they accomplished that in the first game yep. and there is always going to be that tiny tiny little switch of desperation that the Bucks are going to have that is an advantage in this second game so I really think Milwaukee probably wins this next game. Um, and you know, I, I think that's why, and I don't think it's a lack of focus, a lack of anything. I think it's just playoff mentality that, that kind of puts sure. them over the top. Sure. Look, there's, there's two teams that could play extraordinarily well. And if both teams can play great games and one team's going to win, right. that, that's just how it's going to go. Um, so I mean, we'll see. I'm curious to see what changes. I mean, obviously, but like, Nobody asked about Nikola Mirotic, who came in and in, in the second quarter of game one, just caught fire and brought the entire Bucks team back. Um, oh, yeah, and I, I want to talk about Mirotic at some point because I think there's, 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 there's an avenue for the Celtics there. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a little break? We'll come back. We'll talk about Miritic, and we'll see what kind of adjustments might happen in, in game two, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that we saw and, and, and what might happen here with, with different lineups and whatnot. So stick around. We'll do that when we come back. Remember, if you're a new listener, go ahead and download that new Himalaya podcast app because it helps curate your podcast feed based on your interests. So you plug in a few of the interests, you subscribe to Locked On Celtics, and it will help you get even more uh, podcasts you might not have been aware of. So go ahead and subscribe to Locked On Celtics there. If you so choose, you can do it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts exist, or get into your car and ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Celtics. We're coming right back with more on Game 2. So we went into the break, Tom. You said you wanted to talk more about Miritich. I mean, he was really the bright spot, like the biggest bright spot, I think, for them in in his own limited minutes. But he came in, he hit a bunch of shots. Um, I don't know if he's going to hit those shots again. We've seen him get hot against the Celtics before when he was playing in New Orleans. Um, But? But we've also seen the Celtics target him over and over and over, and I did not think they did that. They did not. Like I didn't think they did that at all in Game 1, and that was one of the surprising things to me was Coming into the the series, I thought there were going to be matchups that the Celtics were really going to try to hammer, and they sort of did, but they it was more like the schematic matchup with 
the Bucks not wanting in game one. It was more the Bucks aren't going to want to go all the way out to Horford. Horford's going to be able to take advantage and knock down jumpers. It was you know guys are going to drop back and they might make mistakes, and then Kyrie Irving has a wide open above the break three, which he's not going to miss. It's stuff like that that they took advantage of, as opposed to here's a guy on the floor that we want to just hammer into a pulp. Yeah. And I think that that is coming. I think that if the you know Miritich was the the reason that the Celt like the Celtics just hammered Miritich, especially in New Orleans. Oh that my game. god! Like they mercilessly, it was unkind. <laughs> and like I expect that to happen again. When they acquired him, I was like, well, they got some floor spacing, but the Celtics love playing Nikola Miritich. Yeah. So you know, I actually I thought it was really weird watching. Miritich light them up from three and seeing them not target him on the other end, I think it speaks to how confident they were in their pick and pop game plan. But I think if things do start to break down for them or if he starts to get hot in another game, like, I mean, they're going to they're gonna go at him. I mean, he was guarding Jalen Brown for, for portions of that game. Jalen can beat him off the dribble. Like, and, oh, you know, absolutely. And, 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 you know, Jalen doesn't have the strongest handle in the world, but, like, he can beat Nikola Miritich. He, he can punish him. And, sure. Know, could rattle off six, eight points in a row just doing that. So, I think those individual matchups are something that are still exploitable as opposed to just like exploiting sort of the scheme. I, you know, guys like Meritage, guys like Lopez, like th- those are guys who, who are, are still going to struggle in this series. And that's, I think, a real thing for the Celtics to be hopeful about is they didn't exhaust every option from that, from that perspective. Right, right. I mean, they're, they're, I was surprised. I'm sitting there when Meritage hit his first year, I'm like, that's okay because here comes the Celtics destroy Miritich defensively. Um, and, and they just never, they never did go at that offensively and and they just never did. Um, there, I'm sure there are wrinkles like Brad Stevens. Isn't just going to be like, let's do everything the exact same. Um, but at the same time, anybody should be saying, let's, let's let's keep doing it. It's not Giannis. Right. Um, (laughs) I'm sure, like if I'm if I'm Stevens, I'm looking at it like okay, if if they really want to keep trying the same thing, then we'll roll with it, and we'll see how they do with the pick and pops. I don't know how they're going to change the pick and pop defense. Like they just tried to make Kyrie a passer, and he's a very willing passer. He had what 10, 11 assists, eleven, 11 assists. And six of them went to Al Horford. Sounds right. And and accounting for the threes, accounted for fifteen points. Um, that the Celtics will do that again. Will absolutely do that again. And and one thing that I saw the Celtics do. One thing I saw Kyrie do was there was uh, Horford was in the corner, and he. Ball fake, just fake pass, and just sent Lopez flying. There now, once you've gotten a team ready for, here comes the pick. We're gonna double. Here comes the pass. So, coaching wise, I think okay. Well, they know that the pass is gonna go to Horford, so they're gonna still try to take Kyrie away. So somebody on the weak side is going to try to blitz that pass. So. There's got to be another pass that's available. And maybe it happens once that the Celtics just throw the bait out there and say, all right, we're just going to run our pick and pop. And let's see what happens when we run it once. Does 
Bledsoe, do we have a guy leave the corner, the guy in the corner, and just shade him up a little bit higher and then try to blitz that pass? Or do they actually play it the same? And Kyrie, he might not even have to make that first pass that Horford to see what happens with the defender. He can see where that defender is shading, and he can do a jump pass and then fling it to the corner. And if, if that's their play to, to try and take the ball away from Horford, then I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, I'm trying to think through this, the sequence. I think the Celtics just go out and just keep doing the same thing. Just yeah. keep doing it. And then the only way to change what they do is to put a new person in that center spot. Maybe they decide, hey, Miritich was good. Let's start Miritich. Or, I mean, I think DJ, DJ White Wilson. is the guy. Wilson. Wilson. DJ, Wilson. DJ Wilson, sorry, yeah. is the is the guy that they, they would probably try to play. But then that takes away, that, that crushes their offense. That crushes their offense because they rely on Lopez for that spacing. Yeah. I mean, you play off of Wilson and then talk about building a wall. Like, whoever, you just leave him alone. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're in a tough spot. <laughs> but, you know, and again, I, I do think that one of the things about a playoff series is that after one game, it's always so easy to just be like, here are all the things that went right. There's no answer for all this stuff. I mean, these, like, these coaches all have so many more answers than we do. Right. <laughs> like, like right. The, they're going to come up. I, I truly do think they're going to come up with something. But, you know, I think, but to your point, I think that it's tough to build out a defense and build out a defensive scheme and a defensive game plan that has worked all year. I mean, that's that's just tough for Milwaukee because now if they are going to try to change things, they have to try to change so much stuff. And yes, then, and that that's really hard to do in a you know two game break between between games. You can't do two. that. It's so hard to do. You're, they have built these habits. The 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 way you get so good at these things is you do the same thing over and over and over and over again all season long. The Bucks have gotten this good defensively because over and over and over again, they bait players into the most inefficient shot. And, and usually they're, they're daring the worst shooters to take the three. Now they're in a situation where the guy who's setting the pick, who's normally not a great shooter, is a great shooter. Yeah. And the the way they've played defense, they can go into a, a break here and, and practice a couple of things, but like that requires thinking. And you know from playing ball, if you're thinking on the court, you're screwed. You're done. If if Lopez is sitting there because he sees the guard coming and he's got to drop. He's got to, and if if the all of a sudden he's not dropping, then there's going to be a time where he starts to drop. And goes oh shit, and then go the other way, and it's too late. Then yeah. he's he's completely screwed. Especially all at it this takes, level. yeah, and all it takes is one little hesitation. It's not like it's not even something that you really notice. It's just a little shift in the weight that allows Kyrie to just boom hit a gap, and and then then you're screwed. So, I don't know. I, I feel like Milwaukee's only choice is to really try to do the things that they do like a lot better or to change the personnel and say, we're going to go with a different group 
or just hope that Brogdon coming back is going to be enough. And maybe what you do is you play more minutes with Giannis at center, and yeah. you know, and you just say, "Look, like we know there's going to be guys out there who get blitzed individually, and we're going to hope that hoisting threes and having spacing, and we hope that guys knock them down, and then Giannis gets to the rim because there's a little more spacing because guys are shooting well, you know, and." We, you know, we hope that he just has a better game because he's almost certainly not going to have the worst game of his career for the second game in a row. Like, <laughs> that's true. That's like, true. Maybe that maybe that's what they do. And honestly, they're a sixty-win team with the MVP. And like, I keep hammering on that, but like, that might work. Like, they're yeah, they're right. so good. Giannis right. is so freaking good. Like, it it really might work. But yeah, yeah no, I, I I think that that I think all those I think all those concerns about them, you know, going into game two are valid. All right. Well, we'll have to see how how this goes. It's going to be very interesting to see who makes what chess move. And does Budenholzer live up to his reputation of the guy that's too rigid in the postseason? Um, If I would be fascinated in an honest moment, which we won't get because Al is a very good human, and yes, it would be fascinating to get Al. To ask him, like, is that is that reputation fair? Yeah, you know? but yeah, that is not something that the Celtics are ever going to uh, flinch on. He because, would he would never say it. No, <laughs> you'd have to like. Especially bump into the Celtics are like hammering this. The Bucks are very good. We respect them. Like they. Oh are my god! Them nothing. No, there's no no level of disrespect. Yeah. Everybody to a man's like, you know, we did some good things. We did some things well. Uh, we can do a lot better. And the dope and thing about this series is that there's it's still juicy even without any actual juice. Like right. the basketball is just so good that we're yeah. all just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> coming off the, the Pacers series. These aren't the Pacers anymore. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It's going to be very interesting. So stick around. Uh, the post game podcast will feature, I believe, uh, Sam Jam Packard and Chris Grenham because we will be knee deep in post game stuff and. I just don't want to record a podcast at three in the morning. Shout out to our guy Chris Grenham. Grenham's, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say what I wanted to say. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a good dude, and I miss him on the beat. I'll just say it like that. Um, so that's was fun. They, I had him on the pod. Uh, was it one of the post uh, Pacers games? Um, he's just a good guy. He's just like one of those, one of those just good guys. Hey, you know, you don't encounter many of those good guys on the beat. We're just full of assholes. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Everybody's a good guy. Um, all right, so that'll be the post-game show. Uh, stick around for our coverage, mine and Tom's, on MassLive.com slash Celtics. Like, seriously, bookmark MassLive.com slash Celtics because we are pumping out the content. Well, how many things did we write today? I see two, four, five, seven, eight, nine... 10, 10, oh, yeah, 10 I, pieces I today. Five. Yeah. yeah, we're five and five today. Yeah. 10 pieces in a day. So that's a lot of Celtics coverage. There's a lot of great Celtics coverage out there, but we're pumping it out on MassLive.com slash Celtics. So go and check that out. And of course, subscribe to this podcast if you're a new listener, the Himalaya Podcast app or Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And you regular listeners, give us that five-star rating, a good written review, and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.
Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.